This is a Podcast 225 production. The issues. What's going on now? What's happening in the state? The people. Carl Dabity. We've got Michael Shingleton. Taylor Moore. Jay Darden. Congressman Garrett Gray. Richard Condon. He is Ryan Clark. Sharon Weston Broom. The podcast. And we're going to talk about that. This is the Clay Young Show. Super Bowl Sunday week. Not so happy around these parts as Saints fans are still mad, man. Still mad. I spoke to ADA Aisha Burgess with the East Baton Rouge Parish District Attorney's Office this morning about some business with the organization Truce. And then we talked about the Super Bowl. And she still says the NFL should have replayed that last minute and 48 seconds or whatever it is. Folks are mad around here. Speaking of folks being mad, man, there was a big dust up at a school board meeting last week. I referenced it on episode 190, and it involves a tax exemption program that was going to be taken advantage of by ExxonMobil here in Baton Rouge. And at that board meeting that ended just before midnight, a lot of figurative bombs were being thrown in the direction of Exxon. So I wanted to get some perspective on that. And our guest on this week's show is Adam Knapp, who is the CEO of the Baton Rouge area chamber. And he'll give us some backstory on what is ITEP, because I've had a number of people Ask me about it. I've spoken to friends of mine in business about what's going on with it. They're trying to figure out what it is. You know, people have their own lives and things going on, so they don't necessarily dig into the minutia of what's happening in politics, especially not nowadays, by the way. But I wanted to talk about that because it's a big deal because ExxonMobil released a statement after the school board meeting because the next day they were supposed to be going ahead of the city slash parish council for a very similar discussion. And I think based upon the tone of what happened at that school board meeting, they said, "Ah, let's not do that. So we'll talk with Adam about it. I got to tell you, though, I think the the very nature, I get people's passion about this. And and look, it's not my place to tell people what to think, if whether you want to support ITEP or not. I mean, it really isn't my place to tell you what to think or attack people who may disagree with my position on that or anything else. However, I will say at some of these meetings, when people really make it personal and name call and all of these things, it's like, now that that is the easiest way to not get anything done. And it is the fastest way to make a company the size of Exxon that would probably have cities all over the country looking to have them say, you know what, let's get out of here. Or let's freeze where we are and let's quit this expansion because this isn't where we want to be. Now, I'm not saying that that's their position, but I just think that some of these meetings, and you see it a lot in politics now, not just local politics, but national as well, that people tend to be a little over the top with some of the rhetoric and the name calling. And I just don't think that it's all that productive. So I want to give you some backstory on ITEP ITEP, and let... Adam Knapp tell you about this from the perspective of business owners. And we may try to reach out to Together Baton Rouge to see uh, if we can get Broderick Baggard or somebody with the organization in here to talk about their position on this. 
But I hope overall, no matter where people stand, these kinds of you-know-what shows that we had at the school board meeting last week, come on, man, we could do better than that. So let's take a quick break. By the way, this week on podcast225.com, the Waiting Room Podcast, episode 27, is up. You can check that out. Also, the Generations Podcast is going to be up this week. That is Jeff and Kelly LaDuff. You'll get an inside perspective on Jeff LaDuff as not only a police officer and a police chief, but as a father. And they will take you inside of their home on the day that he got the phone call that he was going to be police chief. What happened the first time he was in the then Baton Rouge Police Department headquarters. It is a really, really, really good listen. I think you will enjoy it. I did say this to you last week. I want to remind you again, if you're going to be at work, maybe not play that over the loudspeakers. I'm just saying there's colorful language. There's no... No vulgarity to to the. I mean, most of you around here, you know Jeff LaDuff. He's there's just not going to be anything said that's going to be vulgar to that degree. But there is some colorful language used in it. It is it is certainly real, and I liked it. So I hope you will too. Episode one of the Generations podcast, so you can subscribe, and when that thing happens, it'll pop right up into your podcast machine. Or you can get it at podcast225.com. The Generations Podcast and the Returning Waiting Room Podcast, episode 27, right here at podcast225.com. Back with Adam Knapp in just a moment. Podcasts have become a great way to get radio on demand. If you've wanted your own podcast, the time to call us is now. This year, Podcast 225 will be launching new shows and yours can be one of them. You won't have to build your own website and you'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment that will make your show sound amazing. If you'd like to know more, call 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Be a part of the on-demand audio movement today. This is Dr. Mary Catherine Roderick. And I'm Katie Fetzer. We're the owners and co-founders of The Wellness Studio, a mental health practice with locations here in Baton Rouge and Covington. We are also your hosts for The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225.com. Our podcast is a journey into the world of mental health. On our show, we're going to discuss some of the various forms of mental health conditions. We're also going to shed light on the various ways our listeners can get a better understanding of how the mind works and why we do what we do. So subscribe today to get The Waiting Room Podcast here on podcast225. Five.com, iTunes, and the Talk 107.3 mobile app. Back with Adam Knapp, the CEO of the Baton Rouge Area Chamber. The Baton Rouge Area Chamber is a multi-parish organization that deals with business of economics, quality of life, education, all of the major factors when people are considering whether moving their families or their business to a region. BRAC does that. And Adam has had, uh, I guess, what we can all consider a pretty interesting uh, eight to ten days, man. Uh, how are you? Oh, we're good. Thanks for asking. No, we're. Oh, it's been a fascinating month. Much, much less eight to ten days. So, <laughs> but we're uh, we're getting through, and, and uh, a lot of good things happening, even amidst all the the tough news. Well, the industrial tax exemption program has been grabbing headlines since last year. It's been one of those things that people have talked about. And most recently, uh, it, it, it really was the center of a dust up between 
ExxonMobil here in Baton Rouge, uh, the school board and, mem- and people who support are involved in the public school system and the larger business community. What's the backstory on ITAP for someone who has not heard about it or who doesn't know what it is? What is ITAP? What an exciting topic to lead with. My gosh, are our fixed folks asleep yet? I mean, golly. <laughs> the, uh, no, so the Industrial Tax Exemption Program, uh, which is the acronym ITEP, uh, is a, uh, an incentive to attract capital investment from manufacturers to Louisiana. Uh, what's important first to make clear is it's very common for communities to have some kind of incentive focused on manufacturers and especially focused on capital-intensive manufacturers like ExxonMobil or you know, heavy petrochem as a sector to try to incentivize them to place those massive capital investments into communities. Why do they want that? Two reasons. One, jobs in manufacturing typically pay uh, in an order of, let's say, $50,000, sorry, $80,000 probably uh, per job on average compared to uh, most average wages in the region, uh, which are which are lower than that. Uh, second of all, um, that investment that they make lasts for decades and decades and decades. And so you're always looking for companies that contribute to the economy and make very long generational decisions in communities. And that's what manufacturers, especially capital-intensive manufacturers, do when they come to a community. And so our incentive policy in Louisiana for 70 or 80 years now has been focused on especially heavy manufacturing coming and making investments in our community. And the ITEP, which is actually in the 1974 Louisiana Constitution, it's the only tax incentive for industry that's their business that's like that. All the rest of them are in our state statutes. Uh, the ITEP has been the state's premier tool for attracting capital investment. And recently here, the backstory with Exxon is there was a project that they were working on and they were going to take advantage over the next 10 years of ITEP to the tune of about $2.9 million, roughly $290,000 a year. And the really first fireworks show happened at a recent school board meeting where members of teacher unions, members of a group here called Together Baton Rouge and And other interested parties were at the board meeting saying that this is not good. They don't support this money. Uh, You know, that they don't support Exxon not having to pay this money in in tax dollars. And it was killed by this newly minted school board with some signals that the same trouble may be coming to the next rung of this, the city council. And so Exxon pulled the item from the city council agenda and by, by doing so also released a statement really setting ablaze the Baton Rouge business atmosphere in their opinion so let's let's unpack those two things first up the school board's situation here what they did and the reverberating impact on itep so the the backstory for listeners is that uh, exxon uh, had an application uh, it's actually four applications to kind of fully go through the backstory of this uh, that on investments that they uh, indicated uh, as followed following state process uh, in uh, 
2017 that they intended to make these investments in the Baton Rouge area. And when they asked the state of Louisiana, you know, hey, how would you advise us as you've changed the industrial tax exemption program, how would you advise us to apply? And they said very clearly, you know, make your application, submit your advance notification, as it's called, that you're going to make an investment, uh, that you're making an investment decision to place assets in our community. Uh, and, you know, as you have for a very long time, uh, projects that are eligible will be approved. Even as, you know, the, the program has changed, there are very clear rules. The governor wrote an executive order, and that executive order went through a rulemaking process to set rules for how the incentive would be managed. Uh, and the investment decision they made was based upon the availability uh, of the industrial tax exemption in Louisiana. Uh, and so they made the incentive investment, they made the investment, excuse me, uh, and then you know, around that same time, conversations were being had about how East Baton Rouge was going to make decisions about projects when they came through locally. Uh, there was probably five months of uncertainty from the locals uh, right at the beginning of 2018. So right after they made the decision and were told, you know, you have to go through a local process, the local process was, was not established. The local taxing bodies were trying to figure it out. Uh, ultimately, they couldn't sort it out uh, in around May they learned that the governor intended to issue a new executive order. Uh, I know this is confusing. In, in 2018, roughly in uh, June of 2018, to set out a new set of guidelines for how the program would work to try to clear up some of the confusion from his original changes. Uh, and so Exxon was told, hey, hold on. Don't come through with your 2017 applications just yet. You've made the investment. They'll still be eligible down the road uh, for consideration by the state and by the locals, but we got to get these changes made before your project comes through. So in the meantime, their corporation was trying to make another investment decision on a project to expand uh, Exxon's polyolefin facilities in Baton Rouge, which is a much more significant investment. It's like a $600 million capital expansion, potentially as many as 60 new permanent jobs. And so the company said, well, look, we really need your clarity on whether we will receive an incentive on that. Now that you're changing the rules of the program again, we really want that approval since we haven't made an official decision. We need to know that it's going to be eligible. So they said to the state, we need to get this one first in line. So Exxon's project for the polyolefins project was the first one that was approved after the governor's new rules for ITEP were adopted. So roughly in September of last year, uh, Exxon put it forth, got approval from the state Board of Commerce and Industry that their polyolefins project was approved. That came then to the locals under the guidelines of the new executive order. They have 60 days to get approval for that. They got local approval, mind you, unanimously from the East Baton Rouge School Board uh, in October that they approved the uh, the polyolefins project, the Metro Council, and at the school board, and the sheriff all signed off on it. Uh, and so that incentive offer was made to Exxon, uh, and they continue to work through their, their decision-making process internally. Uh, we hope to see that happen in the next quarter or so. Uh, and then they were, said, they, they were told, once that is done, then you should come back and take up your 2017 applications. We know you've made the investment. We know we instructed you don't wait. Just go ahead and do your construction as normal. That shouldn't affect the project. In fact, it had never affected the project that you went ahead and started construction. And so under the advice of the state, uh, they, they went ahead and did so. 
they submitted their applications for the 2017 projects uh, in the latter part of last year. Uh, I think it was in December. Got approval by the State Board of Commerce and Industry, I think, um, in uh, roughly the mid, mid-December, kind of before the holidays. Uh, and so that started the clock for local approval. The locals have 60 days, as I mentioned, uh, in which to approve it. So when they got to the local process, in the middle of this, the Metro Council adopted guidelines for how they wanted to make uh, decisions around ITEP. The school board started debating at their committee of the whole, setting up very similar guidelines to the Metro Council. Uh, and so they put those on their agenda, and they had the application for Exxon on the agenda. Well, community activists made it clear they were going to uh, single out and attack one company and almost entirely one company about their investment decisions. And they did so. Uh, they created a great deal of confusion about all of those rules from the state. And they said that, you know, it's not an incentive if a project has already been completed, forgetting the fact that the incentive has been in place, was offered by the state, and were advised that they should continue to move forward with construction, that that was allowed under the guidelines, and that that should not affect their availability or eligibility for the incentive. Uh, but even though it was competitive to, to do so, the dollars were competitively uh, applied, uh, and every dollar spent was approved by the Board of Commerce and Industry as eligible, meaning it's not routine maintenance. It's investments that are expanding capacity or production or putting in place new, uh, new uh, equipment or technology for their manufacturing processes. All of that was what was, was required by the state guidelines. Regardless of all that, the school board, when they met, to go through the application, they were the first of the locals to take it up. Uh, the school board rejected it on a 5-4 vote, uh, and, and most significantly, their comments were, I, I just can't get there on this one because they've already completed construction, which was, by the way, what was the current the set of rules that were in place at the time when the company made the investment decision move forward uh, was based upon the state rules. Uh, that same night, the school board uh, rejected Exxon. They also adopted for the first time their their rules for how ITEP would work, uh, and those ITEP rules included uh, they they don't go into effect until. Uh, they, they weren't in effect, I should say, at the time uh, that the decision was made, and they made that clear. Uh, and so they, uh, and yet they they had an echo effect almost of, hey, this is our philosophy, and if this project, you know, needs to meet these guidelines. And so uh, all of that confusion, which I know I just lost everybody. No, 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 no. I I, I I think we follow you. Yeah. Yeah. So all of that confusion. Uh, and, and misdirection and misinformation kind of weighed in on that consideration for the 2017 applications. And moreover, it was the tone of the night. The tone of the night yeah. was very ugly. Uh, the tone of the night, we saw name-calling. You have a corporate executive from uh, Exxon Global sitting there in front of them, presenting the project, being very respectful, and, and, and jeers and name-calling from the audience uh, you know about you know, about the company and about the individual, just really ugly, and uh, and the civility had just left the building, right? So it was that that crowd response, as much as anything, uh, that also sent a signal to Exxon that that things have have been off the rails and gotten off the rails for how uh, our local review process is working here, and so uh, their pullback, their statement was very much. 
we need a predictable environment. You know, we love Baton Rouge, but we really need a predictable and stable environment. And so that's what led us uh, and our board of directors to put an ad in the paper on, on Sunday was to make sure the community fully and clearly heard what Exxon said in their statement. And their statement was incredibly strong to say, this is a tough place right now. And so our letter was to reiterate the strong, but we thought fair words to say, uh, this is a program that's necessary for manufacturing growth. And if we're going to have it, and we, we, we all agree we're going to have it, then we need to set clear rules and we need to follow those clear rules. And we shouldn't let uh, kind of subjective interpretation change as to what those rules mean uh, or that, you know, an application might be rejected uh, even though it's perfectly legitimate and eligible. That just because of the moment in time that they could kind of change policy on a company about what that incentive is. Look, no school board member got elected or ran because they wanted to give away tax credits. Like that's not anybody's motive, but it is what it is, right? It's the responsibility that's put upon the school board, and they all have reflected that they, at least I think nearly all of them have reflected that they want to do so in a, a in a judicious way, in a fair way. So my sense is moving forward that the guidelines become uh, more like uh, strict policy, um, but but that's the big question here. So let's let's deal with a couple of items because you you gave us a lot right there. Uh, first up, the the backstory in addition to what you shared about ITEP is that this started with the governor initially saying that these local taxing bodies should have a, have some authority to say whether they do or don't want some deferment or exemption of tax revenue being paid by these major companies. And there has been some misinterpretation, at least from where I am, as to what that means. What you said earlier is Exxon is saying, yes, we've completed this project, but within the last period when we could have been taking advantage of the exemption, we were continually told to wait while we work through whatever that final ber- verbiage is going to be. Is that is that a fair uh, observation yeah. of what happened? No, that's, that's right. Okay, and then you get to the school board meeting. Now, you brought something up that I thought was a lot of things, but one key thing stood out is the discussion was one thing, the tone was something totally different. And I think that is something that we're going to have to deal with, even with disagreeing over whether or not the state should have say-so or these local bodies should have say-so. I can't think of any big company that wants to be a part of a you-know-what show like that. Is that wrong? I think we are a community of civility. And I think what happened is not our better nature. It is not respectful of who we are as a community or as a culture. And it got, it just got really mean spirited and, and bitter. And, and, and that was what was uh, so just distasteful to, to have to witness. Um, it, it, it doesn't mean that people shouldn't be allowed to speak to say we do so with civility that we follow through with, with, with rational discourse about our opinions. Um, but, it was um, uh, it was that that manner in which it was carried out that was also just was was very nasty, and I think that creates um, kind of a difficult atmosphere for what is really designed to be dispassionate decision making. That uh, you almost through technical review determine a project is eligible, ineligible, and then 
you approve it or you don't approve it. Uh, it, it, it is not subject to um, debate. You know, it follows the guidelines or it doesn't follow the guidelines. And, and somebody with expertise or staff of the, you know, the various bodies, the school system, the Metro Council, they've got to make a, a legal interpretation of eligibility, recommend a path forward, and that, that interpretation has to stand. And somebody's got to be kind of a judicious uh, kind of – Inter- intermediary to make those evaluations and recommendations. And all of that was missing. It was very much um, kind of just uh, I think this or you know, I feel that rather than the rules are this and the rules are that. Listen, there's no mistake in my mind that Exxon has been a great community partner for this capital region. The, the countless programs that they've supported as as i saw i think you mentioned a, a couple of weeks ago last week when all this was going on a billion dollars in investment into the community here so smearing exxon as a company to me is wrong and and i think that exxon has contributed to a great number of families being able to go into retirement, having money there to live out the rest of their life. Chief among them have been many African-American households in this community. Having said that, there is an argument to be made for local governments having say-so over what happens with local tax dollars. What's your argument uh, against people who say, why not let us decide it here? I don't make an argument against that. I think it's um, there's nothing inherently troubling about a local decision-making process. In fact, it's fairly normal across the country. Uh, some 30 or 35 states, I think, have something like our industrial tax exemption, an abatement for manufacturing equipment and property uh, for some, usually a decade, or for some period of time, up to a decade, usually. Um, what And most of those, like I said, are local decisions made in other communities. Uh, and so there's nothing inherently problematic about that, uh, but the process for making that decision in other communities uh, is predictable, it's fair, uh, it's been tried and tested and works, and the process, uh, it works. And those communities, by and large, celebrate their manufacturing investments. Mind you, our experience in Louisiana has been, by and large, one of support for the industrial tax exemption, even since the governor introduced local approvals processes. So in our region, just in the last year, we saw manufacturers in Ascension Parish, in Iberville Parish, uh, in West Baton Rouge, all move through the local approval process with their school boards, uh, with their sheriffs, with their you know local police juries or parish councils. So it can work. In fact, it works in most you know parishes in Louisiana. Uh, and so it's really that it's East Baton Rouge has struggled to find a way to set this up that it that it works in a very predictable Whoa. and kind of standardized way. Well, help me with this though. So, where did all of that piss and vinegar come from then at the school board meeting? Because I didn't expect it. Maybe I wasn't paying attention to smoke signals that were going up from Together Baton Rouge and some of the teacher groups. But man, where did all that come from then? Well, I can't make their case for them or speak on their behalf, so you'd have to, to reach out to them. Uh, the the school board members' words were all that I think is worth my time and attention and focus. Their words were, uh, I have trouble approving an application today for those who voted against it. Uh, and by and large, my concern 
rests on the fact that they finished the construction. And, uh, and so that, that issue, uh, and that, and that confusion around that issue and whether that is the, the, the right way to interpret what happened, uh, is largely what was, was out of kilter. Um, and all of the, the rhetoric and tone and behavior of other groups, that's probably for, for you to interview them to get, their involvement on that conversation. I, I just may, and and since this stuff has happened, uh, two members of the legislature have decided that they want to send this thing back uh, to the to the governor. It's you know probably going to require a constitutional amendment. Uh, Senator Bodie White and Representative Franklin Foyle are, say they're going to file a bill in the upcoming legislative session that would revert back to the old rules and. Uh, talking about the old rules, the governor and Together Baton Rouge put out a statement or made comment recently after we found out what Foyle and White were going to do, saying that, you know, you can't do this. Actually, I think there is a quote from one of the volunteers with Together Baton Rouge calling it unconscionable. So it doesn't seem like this has cooled off to the degree that people are going to sit and talk in a civil way. It looks like more mud is going to be flung around. And my concern is in the interim, while that's happening, businesses are going to be looking at the capital region and saying, ain't no way in hell I'm going there right now. So I'm wondering, how do we deal with people's real and I guess in some cases, well-founded concerns, but not have what we had last week happen again? Well, let me let me reiterate first words matter. I want to clear up something. It is a concern of the interpretations in one parish and one school district uh, in East Baton Rouge uh, that has has created confusion. As I mentioned, other parishes in our capital region have been working swimmingly on the issue of figuring out how these new guidelines work. And remember, they disallow quite a lot of what used to be allowed as manufacturing uh, projects from being uh, eligible for incentives. So huge amounts of dollars that Exxon applied for in their 2017 applications weren't, weren't even uh, included in what they asked for permission for. Um, and so, and only 80% can be abated instead of what used to be abated at, at 100% for a decade. So a lot of changes have already been made. And so we're really negotiating or talking about how does East Baton Rouge get to a place where what's left, those real project dollars that are competitive in nature between sites, uh, which, which is what le- what's left after you take out routine maintenance and replacement expenses, uh, is those competitive investments that have a choice. Those dollars can be spent anywhere. So what's left, that's the question. It's not. It's only really in the, the district, in the parish of East Baton Rouge with the Metro Council and with those that are subject to the interpretation by the East Baton Rouge Parish School Board. Um, whereas, by the way, Zachary approved Georgia Pacific for their exemption, no controversy. The Metro Council approved Georgia Pacific for their, their prior exemption, no controversy. In fact, they pulled it from the agenda because it was non-controversial and it kind of automatically went into effect. Uh, and so it's, it's, it can be done that even East Baton Rouge can approve projects. Uh, our sense, and I want to be clear about this, is that the focus, first and foremost, is to see that the guidelines that are established uh, are intended to be followed. And we want to see and have, uh, encourage that both bodies continue to reiterate through their words and actions that guidelines, as once approved, uh, are the decision-making criteria and that their interpretation of what fits and doesn't fit will be not subject to uh, 
interpretation or whim of the audience, but made by governmental staff, whether local or state, to interpret those guidelines and then recommend an action forward that whether a project applies or doesn't apply. That framework will work, and that's a framework that works in other states, and that will work here. Uh, with the question of the legislation that's been talked about by, uh, by Foyle and by White, um, my, I, said, I said this at the press club uh, this week, I think it matters that we focus today on the investment decisions being made today. What might happen or could happen or should happen at the legislature is a subject for debate when the legislative session starts and a bill is filed. But right now, companies are making decisions based on guidelines and rules enacted and enforced today. And we have companies that will make a decision between now and the legislative session about whether they're going to make an investment for Baton Rouge. And those are still – every decision, when you make a $500 million expansion decision, those are generational investments. And those tax dollars will pay dividends for decades for our schools and for our community needs. So to miss those is a travesty, and that's what we want to make sure we don't uh, get – lost with any debate about what could or might happen later and focus instead on clear guidelines and clear rules for today and enforcing what's been enacted today. Have you spoken to the mayor president? We have. Yeah, I have. Yeah. She, she actually, I should commend held a really fantastic press conference, uh, uh Monday is today, uh, when we're recording this and, and we saw, she asked, you know, for a large audience of business and civic leaders to come together uh, to complement and celebrate the importance of Exxon, but not just kumbaya to say, we want more investments and we're going to, we're going to be supportive of Exxon and we're going to have their back uh, for future investments. And so that was an important signal that she's on the right side of attracting manufacturing investments. And she had this great business crowd standing there uh, who on, by the way, uh, Barely 24 hours notice, although some some early notice was trickling out, you know, uh, even last Friday that there was going to be a press conference. Most people were finding out about this over the weekend and still took time out of their busy day. Small businesses, uh, mid-sized service firms, large manufacturers, competitors of Exxon showed up and said, we're here to show support that this company matters to the future of our community. And it was really kudos to, to her and her team for, for standing up that incentive, or that, I should say, that, that press conference uh, for Exxon and for uh, investments in Baton Rouge. Uh, and so that was, it was the right way to handle it. What we really want to see is positive news stories uh, begin to drown out all the, all the noise and rhetoric of, uh, of the community activist groups that are, that are beating up Exxon and trying to single them out. And so that was a really great story, uh, really energizing crowd uh, and, and, and said a lot of great things. Another just anecdote, if you don't mind, that just moved me, Donna Siraj, uh, whose uh, 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 husband Norman uh, you know, was part of the Siraj yeah. family going back to Cap Siraj, yeah. who's the founder uh, of Community Coffee. Uh, Donna relayed a narrative, uh, an, an anecdote from uh, from the Siraj family lore uh, that you know that when when Standard Oil first located in Baton Rouge, Cap Siraj moved from Bayou Gula uh, to Baton Rouge to open up uh, a little uh, grocery store right at the gates uh, of Standard Oil and started serving coffee to the, the many workers every day who showed up. Uh, for their jobs to help them get get their day started, and that that little that little anecdote is the beginning of 
community coffee, a, right. a hundred year old tradition. They're celebrating 110 years of community coffee this right. year. And she said something that I just stuck with me and I put it on Twitter. Uh, how many other small businesses and entrepreneurs in Baton Rouge uh, got their start or received some significant benefit from the presence of Standard, uh, Standard Oil or Esso or Exxon Mobil today, over decades and generations of small businesses and entrepreneurs uh, throughout our community. Whether that's Bayou Cafe on Airline Highway, which has been a, a you know a, a long-standing uh, place for folks to go grab lunch from Exxon, to Turner Industries, right? A massive uh, service and maintenance construction company, engineering design, pipe fabrication facility technology company, headquartered here in Baton Rouge, privately owned, uh, one of our largest employers in Louisiana, got its start uh, working in the service field in support of companies like Standard Oil and Exxon. And so it just was really moving for Donna's comments. Uh, you you kind of echoed this a moment ago to point out it is it is something that matters to small businesses and big businesses alike in Baton Rouge, citizens, churches, uh, community groups, neighborhood associations, all of whom know somebody affiliated with the 7,000 employees uh, out there at the Exxon facilities in Baton Rouge. That's a perfect place to end it. And hopefully the tone and uh, tenor of, of this entire discussion will get a lot better. All right, we'll take a quick break and come back and wrap up. Hi, this is Mayor Sharon Weston-Broom inviting you to listen to the We BR podcast, an initiative of my Women's Advancement Commission. Our show will air the first and third Wednesday of each month. We invite you to listen to our podcast by visiting www.podcast225.com. That's www.podcast225.com and by subscribing through the Apple Podcast app. That's We Be Our Podcast. Promote your business or organization on podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. You know, we did this podcast talking about the ITEP situation here, but there may be two in your future for this week, this one and another one, depending on what happens at the State of the Union address, because as you can see, this show is up early, but that's because we didn't want to wait because of the news that broke on Monday about this ITEP situation. And again, depending on what happens at the State of the Union address, we may have to dig into that a little bit too, go behind the scenes of that situation. Okay, you can follow me on Twitter at Clay Young BR on Instagram, Clay underscore Young BR, and just Clay Young on Facebook. And yes, you get it right. I'm I am playing under the weather today, but that's okay. I got a saying you could be sick at work just as easily as you could be sick at home. So I'm in my office. There we go. Thanks to Adam Knapp for being on the show this week and giving us some perspective on this ITEP situation. Hopefully it helped you gain some perspective as well, whether it changed your mind or helped you further validate your position. 
Either way, we appreciate his insight and his passion for this region. You guys have a great one. Check out the Waiting Room Podcast and the all-new Generations Podcast right here at podcast225.com. See ya. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.